This is Radio Stockdale. Welcome to Radio Stockdale. I'm your host, Michael Sears, at the Stockdale Center for Ethical Leadership. And welcome, Dr. Michael Skirker, back to Radio Stockdale. And today we're talking about the case studies that that we've developed here uh, in at the Naval Academy. And those are online case studies, shameless plug, www.stockdaleinteractive.com. And the reason I'm doing that is because what we're doing in this in this session is actually taking the guy who's thought this through, Dr. Skirker, and having him kind of explain what this thing is all about. So welcome, Michael, to Radio Stockdale. Thank you, Michael. Thank you so much for having me. It's good to have you back. Let me let me kind of set the tone with this case study. It's Looming Storm. Now, Looming Storm is kind of a second part of a case study we have earlier. If you really want to break it down where these things might fit, Dark Waters is all about a collision at sea and the ways that a young JG might actually look at that. Now, quite frankly, the way I look at it is this is uh, the trolley problem on water, so to speak. You have to make some judgments within uh, within dark waters as to when you close a hatch. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But with, with Looming Storm, we take that JG, uh, Lieutenant JG Robert Soto, and kind of wind him back a little bit. And the reason we're doing that is because all of a sudden, Soto is realizing kind of as a more senior JG that there are different kinds of command personnel out there. In in Dark Waters, he has a Captain Bradley who is stern and, and gruff and, and no nonsense. But in Looming Storm, he's got a, a little bit more difficult CO, captain of the ship, on this amphibies on as, as an ensign. And we're talking about, frankly, toxic environments in terms of command climates. Michael, can you talk to us a little bit about what you mean or what we mean by toxic command environments? Sure. So toxic command climates will have leaders who exhibit many vices. They're impatient. They're angry. They are proud. They're hubristic. They can't control their own emotions. They think that they are always right. They think everyone else is foolish and stupid. They tend to fly off the handle. Their leadership method is a very stern command and control. It's my way of the highway, and I will shout and scream if you bring me any kind of adverse information. I look at any kind of constructive critique as a assault on my ego and my dignity, and I will respond with maximum force to crush it. That there is no rational conversation with this kind of leader. Again, any kind of advice is just looked at as a threat. And what happens when you have a leader like this is that people become paralyzed. They are too afraid to voice concerns, to voice uh, complaints or anything of that sort, to voice warnings. They doubt themselves. They begin to seize up and don't act on their own initiative because they're so afraid of being yelled at and being punished. The, this kind of toxic leader often engages in infantilizing behavior, will make subordinates feel like naughty children, and they will then act in that way. Not only will they 
be afraid to speak up, but they'll turn on each other because they are, instead of there being a sense of solidarity and teamwork, everyone is just looking out for his or her own welfare. Everyone is biding his time to just get out of this terrible environment and just make do. Any kind of allyship is a risk because if I become your partner or help you on your project, you might screw up and then I get yelled at too. I get punished along with you. So these kinds of toxic environments are recipes for scandal, recipes for human rights abuses, recipes for all kinds of abuse because you have a toxic leader who engages only in aggressive behavior. You have people afraid to take initiative, afraid to stand up for what's the right thing. People are afraid to voice problems up the chain of command. Typically, this toxic leader gives vague commands because he can't be bothered with giving any kind of careful leadership or careful guide, guidance and, and also put incredibly hard demands on that crew. So that is a toxic and dangerous mix of having vague directions, high stress, high demands, little oversight, and little accountability. Those are all recipes for disaster. Well, that is a very, very rich recipe for what this case study is all about. Let me break you into the case study real quick. Ensign Soto is the conning officer of the USS Thorpe Amphib, uh, and they're steaming. And the CO is exactly, Michael, what you're how, how you're describing. And everything seems to be breaking out that way. There is a fight at the bar where where Soto happens to be. Uh, where uh, two of his sailors are there, and he needs to take action. And quite frankly, as he's thinking about taking action, the the cut point or the decision point is as he approaches his senior officers, he and they have to decide what to do relative to the fact that the CO might react God knows how. There's a CAS rep or a casualty report that happens uh, during this exercise, and the entire wardroom is on put on notice, including the XO, that you know, that, that bad things might happen. Now, let me just take a point here, by the way, and be very, very clear. This happens to be on a fictitious amphib. This has nothing to do with the Swole community or any other specific community. Tell me this, Michael, we find toxic environments, toxic leadership and command, command environments all over the place, right? Sure, absolutely. In business and hospitals and academia, it could be anywhere. So, you know, I had a couple of years in the Silicon Valley and clearly I saw great leadership and I saw some really, really, really bad leadership. So it's not specific to any, in any community. Right. Let me, let me ask you this. So you've got a, a young JG trying to make some decisions and I don't want to give too much away, but what is that person to do? What's that JG to do when he or she meets this toxic environment? It's really difficult because clearly the right thing to do is to discipline the crew, to follow procedures, to report up the chain of command what's happened. And but the person is being told by more experienced people, look, keep your mouth shut. The captain is just going to kill us all. And, uh, you know, it, it just doesn't matter. We'll just handle it quietly. I think the young officer just has to do the right thing, it has to voice and surface the concern. Even if there is strenuous blowback, whether it's lack of discipline, whether it's some kind of readiness issue, whether it's some kind of malfunction, these things have to go up the chain of command because hopefully someone will do the responsible thing, even if the captain responds harshly. 
And also, look, the captain's responding harshly. Eventually, it's going to get found out, and uh, there may well be some remediation there. So there's no real black and white answer except the thing you said, and that is do the right thing. Uh, while it might hurt, in fact, it most probably will hurt, uh, it's a heck of a lot easier to do it now than to do it uh, into the future because you're training people and teaching people how to do things wrong and how to o- overlook things. Right. And the thing is, too, when there's a reckoning, if you've been sweeping things under the rug, you'll be caught up in that reckoning, too. So let me ask you this, just to kind of step back. What's your thought on the best way to actually teach this case study? Well, I think it's as with any case study, it's just good to ask the students lots of questions. What would you do under these circumstances? How would you feel under these circumstances? Have you experienced things like this already in Bancroft? Is there a delta between what you know to do and what you are inclined to do based on your fears? And just flesh out the whole thing. The other thing, too, is, is to diagnose what's going wrong here. What exactly is this captain doing wrong? I found that is particularly helpful because our students, it would be wrong to assume that our students have a good understanding of the fleet. For many of them, those who are not priors, in part, their notion of the fleet has been shaped by popular entertainment. And so some people might have the view that you should scream and yell and pound the table as a salty captain. And to an extent, I think with some of them, we have to educate them saying, no, that's not good leadership. So I think it's helpful to articulate with them what is going wrong here? What is this captain doing badly? And one of the issues at the end of this case study is that Ensign Soto does does flash forward again as Lieutenant J.G. Soto, and he actually has an interaction with the CEO of the USS Rampart, that, that captain that he thought was a little bit stern and they have this discussion where she actually says, JG, I'm, I'm the one in charge here. It's my whatever if things happen. So I'm going to act the way I act. You can fit into that. And Soto realizes that, in fact, yeah, it's a big ocean out there. There's a lot of sharp edges, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Probably not sharp edges in water, but I think you follow the analogy. And the CO has got to be the CO, but he or she doesn't necessarily need to be a screamer. Right. Professor Michael Skirker, thank you very much for joining us on Radio Stockdale with Looming Storm. Thank you so much. You're most welcome. You've been listening to Radio Stockdale, a series of podcasts produced by the Stockdale Center for Ethical Leadership at the United States Naval Academy. You can hear more podcasts at stockdalecenter.com slash podcasts. 